this week, Zeno! Uh, welcome to Roman Emperor's Vitalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. And this is episode 88. Is that two fat ladies? Yes. Yes. Zeno. It's a bit, not very nice, bit obesist, isn't it? It is a bit. Or two fat men. I don't know why. Or two marshmallows wearing belts. <laughs> yes. That's what it should be. Right. Okay, here we are. It's Zeno. Yeah. I, know I made a decision last week I'm going to spell his name with an X. Yeah. But I've gone for the Z or Z. Oh, you see, both of us, in my notes, I have actually used the Z, and you've used it as well. Yeah, I think yeah. it should be an X, though. Yeah, I did say we were going to change it. Oh, OK, I'm changing it. OK, good. You've changed it in your notes. Mine are electronic, harder to change. Just draw on the screen, it'll be fine. OK, it's fine. Pass me your pen. <laughs> Carve it in. So, Zeno, what what are you feeling um, well, Leo was quite successful. Got a yeah. Jeanne César. Oh, he did, he did. His son was, I would argue, as or more than successful than his father, Leo II. You could argue that. You could definitely <laughs> argue that point. <laughs> I think you'd lose the argument, but yeah. it's certainly one you could make. Um, I think he won't be as revolutionary. Leo wasn't really, but I don't think he'll make as much as an impact, but he'll keep things ticking over. That's my prediction. Okay. I think he's going to be a forgettable one. Oh, poor Zeno. Well, we'll find out. I'm going to warn you now, though. The the Leonids, so this family, they're, they're a horrible bunch. Are they? And there's quite a few of them, so it's going to get a little bit name-heavy today. Okay. Try to avoid t- throwing too many names in. Uh, but, um, yeah, just stop um, me if you're going, who, at any point. Okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as you rightly pointed out, Leo did a good job fighting against Aspar, cutting those puppet strings, but not falling into a clump being a no. real boy. Yeah. His alliance with the Isaurians meant that Zeno's now in line for the throne. Mm. Leo doesn't put Zeno on the throne, though. Puts his grandson on the throne, but grandson dies. So, quite, that's a quick recap. Through there. mysterious circumstances that Zeno had nothing to do with. Quite that's possibly. the line we're saying. Yes. So, let's jump into Zeno's life. Born as... Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladdites in Isauria in 45. Sorry, can you say that name again? Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladdites. One more time? Oh, believe me, we'll be saying his name a lot. Whole episodes <laughs> about him. Okay. Right, okay. So, born in Isauria. Isauria, as mentioned last time, was a semi independent tribe within the Empire. So they, they lived in the Tarsus Mountains. They'd been there for hmm. quite some time. There was a record of them during Alexander the Great's time. Okay. So they've been knocking around the place for a few centuries. Good, good, good. Located in the south of modern-day Turkey. Ah, we have a friend in Turkey, don't we? <laughs> we do, but he's in Istanbul. Yes. Which is not in the south of Turkey. No. So it's, uh, near near where Constantinople used to be, I believe. Maybe. So it's linked in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Isaurians. In 75 BCE, so going back a bit here... Oh, wow, yeah. A man named Publius Civilius... <laughs> good name. It is a good name. ...was sent to sort out the unrest in the relatively newly acquired territory. 
He defeated the Isaurians there by cutting off their water supply. Uh-huh. Publius gets a triumph for his efforts here. Well nice. done him. He then goes on to be defeated by Julius Caesar in the Pontifex Maximus elections 12 years later. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that Publius. I can't believe you don't remember him. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, he wasn't going to win, though, was he, against Caesar? No, no, no. Not the C-man, not the big JC. Uh, he was the little JC back then, though. It wasn't That's a true. sure thing, that, that election. Yeah, but, you know, destiny and uh, all that. Well, uh, there's that big index finger of God. <laughs> it's you! Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to the Isaurians. They seem to stick to themselves after this. Glue. Being fierce fighters and occupying an easily defensible position, it was decided, we'll, we'll just let them get on with it over there. Yeah. Yeah. During the crisis, the crisis. Wow. Yes. The crisis, crisis. If I'm talking about the crisis, crisis. It's really about the crisis. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. They may have shouted one of the many usurping generals, although this is only mentioned once, and that's in the Historia Augusta. <laughs> so we have no idea whether that's true, but it's probably false. Yeah. Pure fiction. Ammianus Marcellinus mentions how the Isaurians were raiding local towns in the latter half of the 4th century, so they pop up then as well. And then under Arcadius, a general was sent to sort out this troubling tribe of Isaurians once and for all. This general killed a few villagers and then stole a lot of money. Mm. And then rather than bringing the Isaurians closer to the empire, the general just abused his position and made himself rich. Fair enough. News of this gets back to Constantinople, but he bribed his way out of trouble. Nice. Yes. It's the Roman way. <laughs> it certainly is. This was about 20 years before the birth of Tarasis Gadissa Rosenbladadites. We don't know much about the early life of Tarasis Gadissa Rosenbladadites. You've been practicing that all week, haven't you? His father was named Gadissa. His mother, Lalis. Just quite that's a nice, a nice name. Nice name. It's, it's a nice name, isn't it? He had a brother called Longinus, or at least that's what he became <laughs> known as. I seem to remember about a year ago us coming across another Longinus and you finding it quite funny then. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. How is it not? <laughs> anyway, when Tarasisca Disseros and Vladadites was in his early 20s, there was an Isaurian general called Zeno who made a name for himself fighting Attila the Hun. You're looking confused, but bear with me here. In 447, this Zeno was put in charge of the Isaurian unit that were to defend Constantinople against Attila the Hun. <laughs> no. This was, if you remember, the same time that the walls <gasps> fell yes! down. And everyone had to build very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, you've got two hours go. <laughs> I can see him, he's coming over the hill! <laughs> yeah. Well, Zeno, General Zeno, was around then. Hmm. 20 years before he was born. No, this is not Tarasisca Dissa Rosenbladadites. This is General Zeno, a different person. So I'm guessing he named himself after this general. Ah, yeah, you yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, as we know, they managed to build those walls in time, but still the Huns still did a lot of damage. But General Zeno obviously impressed enough people because he became the consul the next year. Nice. There is some suggestion that General Zeno then plotted a coup against Theodosius II. But Theodosius II fell off a horse and died before he could be killed. That was the coup, maybe. That was the plan. Maybe that was always the plan. You kneecap a horse, let it fall. Oh, poor horse. Yeah. Kind of thing Constantine would do. <laughs> yes. Anyway, General Zeno then becomes patrician in 452. Still doing very well. This is now under Marcion's rule. And then died shortly afterwards. Zeno did. 
General Zeno. Yeah. We're not sure of the relationship between General Zeno and Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites. No. The rumour that General Zeno was actually Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites' natural father is probably a false one. Yeah. However, it does seem likely that it was through General Zeno that Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites was introduced to the court of Constantinople. Ah, so he was his way in. He was his foot in the door for Tarasiscadissa. Tarasiscadisca blooded Yes, exactly. Tarasiscadisca rose and blooded itis. Tarasiscadisca rose blooded itis. Yeah. Really? That, that, that was close enough. So, anyway, perhaps he was a soldier in General Zeno's command or part of his entourage. We're not sure, but th- this was his step in the door. Okay. Either way, when Marcion finally dies, Tarasiscadisca rose and blooded itis is in the perfect place. By this time, he seems to be living in Constantinople with his wife and at least one child. His wife was a lady called Arcadia, who seems to have been part of the aristocracy. So he's fairly well established by this point. Yeah, he's he's got his leg in the door now. (laughs) Yeah, almost a whole half of his body. Yeah, Yeah. maybe an arm. Sort of trying to wedge his way through the door. (laughs) Well, they're trying to close it. Yeah. (laughs) Get out, Taro! No! According to one source, Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites found himself able to give Leo some incriminating information about Aspar's son at this point. Ooh. Yeah, which then he's got his whole body through the door apart from one foot now. Fair enough. Yeah. Leo's very impressed with him, so promotes him to Count Domesticus, which is a high up position in the royal court. He sounds like someone you get in an advert to do with domestic cleaning or something like I am Count <laughs> Count Domesticus. I am Count Domesticus, I clean your house. Watch me cook, watch me iron, watch me hoover. <laughs> Maybe that's how he also wormed his way in with Leo. Odd job, man. Odd job, man, yeah. Now, if you remember last week, Leo, as emperor, does not obey Aspar's recommendations. No. When Aspar gives him a list of consuls, Leo just ignores it. Political war starts between the emperor and his puppet master. Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites was sought after. Leo makes him an offer. Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladadites would run his personal bodyguard, and in return, he would get to marry Leo's daughter, Ariadne. Nice. Now, what Arcadia has to say about this, history does not record. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, yeah, his wife. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bit... Ooh, well, she's, how'd he break the news to her? She's either dead mm. or... Divorce. Just a really awkward conversation over breakfast one morning. <laughs> my darling, I'd like to thank you for last night. You, quite frankly, rocked my world. Incidentally, I'm about to rock yours. <laughs> I'd like to think not, but quite possibly. That'd be great. That's how it went. So I've got some mail for you. This one's for me. This one's for me. Oh, this one's for you. It's for my lawyer. <laughs> Oh. Open it soon. Oh dear. Yeah, that that wouldn't be pleasant. Or just, or just like trying to not not approach it head on. Just just kind of. So, uh, the emperor's daughter. What do you think about her? Yeah, no, she is nice, isn't she? Yeah. I quite like her. You can. <laughs> some people say. Some people <laughs> say she's an upgrade. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Um, there's no record of a divorce, which leads some historians to speculate she had died by this point. But I think he probably just chucked her. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's more hilariously horrible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the marriage is on, and also just to ease everyone's suffering, especially ours and our listeners, 
Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladdites decides to rename himself after the great Isaurian general he may have looked up to, may have worked for. Tarasiscadisca supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yes. Nice. <laughs> it was just easier all round. <laughs> of course, this is when he becomes Zeno. Warrior Emperor. Yes. <laughs> so, within a year, Zeno and Ariadne have a son. They waste no time. He already has some with his, his old wife, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you can just imagine Arcadia just sort of weeping in the background at this point. Poor Arcadia. Holding her, her poor son. Yeah. Anyway, Zeno's off fighting at this point. Fighting the Goths. And as far as we can tell, he did all right. Yeah. Uh, not many details at this time, but he didn't die. We know that, so... Well, yeah. Tick in the win column. <laughs> then in 468, when Leo sent an army to defeat the Vandals... Zeno stayed behind. Wimp. Well, he was in charge of the guard, of course. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't need to go. He therefore avoids any humiliation that came with the loss. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The next year, he's given a new title, Master of Soldiers for Thrace. Nice. And was due to go and fight again. We're not sure who he was going to fight. Probably Huns or Goths. We don't know. But what we do know is before he left, Zeno and Leo together approached a man asking for advice. This man was called Daniel, and Daniel was a stylite. What? Yeah. And now we're going to go on a tangent, because I didn't know what a stylite was, no. but now I do, and I need to share this with you. Thank it's amazing. I'm just getting a <laughs> stylite. I don't know. What... Oh, go on. Go on, guess. What do you think a stylite Some sort of astronomer or something. Uh, not astronomer. Ask astrologer. Some no. mystic, something like that? No. A showman? Let's let's go through it, shall we? Okay. I think you're going to love this. Yes. Right. Meditation and fasting and suffering to focus on faith is hardly exclusive to Christianity. Yeah. So, combined examples in all major religions, yeah. Siddhartha and Buddhism uh, being an obvious example. Uh, dedicating your life to something higher isn't even necessarily a religious thing. Diogenes living in his barrel, for example. <laughs> uh, but stylites are a, a subsect of this kind of philosophy. Right. A stylite is a pillar dweller. Is that what I think it is? It's a pillar saint. This is a person who lives up a pillar. Yes! <laughs> yes! yes! <laughs> For years and years on end to prove their devotion to Christ. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> that must be a really awkward conversation. <laughs> Daniel! <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Well, two years before Zeno's birth, a man named Simeon climbed up a pillar in modern-day Syria. Why? Why did he do this? I don't know, Rob. Well, let's go back in time for him. He used to try and find solitude in a hut, but he was a wise person and people kept coming to ask for his <laughs> advice. He was a holy man. So, seeking solitude, he then went and lived up a mountain somewhere. But... Goats. Not only the goats, people found out where he was living, mm. so they kept coming up and asking for advice again. And he was trying to, to seek solitude, be on his own, be one with Christ. So the guy from the Life of Brian, who's doing a vow of silence in a big hole. Yes, Go exactly. away! <laughs> Go away! It was just like that. So he left his mountain, and he looked for somewhere else. Somewhere where he could be in peace. Somewhere he could meditate. And he came across a ruined city in Syria. Nice. And there was a pillar. Ooh. So he climbed the pillar and he meditated. 
But before he could even utter a word of prayer, he was a celebrity. Before he knew it, people were coming from all over the place, shouting up to him, asking for his advice. It's a bit like when somebody wears like a bright gold satin shirt. Yeah. And this is, why is everyone staring at me? This is awful. <laughs> Avert your eyes. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to avoid everyone standing on the tallest thing around you. Mm. <laughs> uh, In the middle of a city. Well, the ruined city. No one lived there. Yeah. Well, Simeon spent 37 years on top of that pillar. Most of it standing. How did he eat? Uh, to begin with, it was local children would just, like, throw up food for him. I need good, good aim and good catching skills. Yeah. I mean, like, these being children, they probably started by just throwing stones, going, ah, look at the weird old man. <laughs> but then maybe they felt sorry for him and threw up some bread. Yeah. Uh, then, obviously, once word had spread that there was a holy man up a pillar, I mean... There wasn't much to do back then. That's true. If someone told me there was an old man up a pillar, I'd, I'd go and check that out. You'd want to, wouldn't you? And some people were mightily impressed when they arrived, yeah. so they became his followers and they'd give him food. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a guy up a pillar. I'm impressed. Yeah, very impressive. How long has he been up there? Four weeks. Whew. Ooh, one of four hours. I don't give him six months. Anyway, like I say, 37 years later, he finally wow. dies. It's, it's amazing. Wow. Especially that most of it was spent standing. Mm. Yeah, he'd sleep by leaning against things. So he was obviously had like a bit more of a pillar on. It's it's not very clear what the top of his pillar was like, but apparently quite exposed. Mm. Now apparently, this uh, you know what people are like. This catches on. Mm. And apparently, for the next hundred years, it was actually a fairly common sight to find men up a pillar. <laughs> In the Levant area. <laughs> just imagine just not being able to move. But just, oh, there's another man up a pillar. Uh, another one. Uh, or you're trying to find your own pillar. Oh, you can't. You can't. You oh. get up there. Oh, there's already a man here. So what you do, you walk past one pillar, just give it a bit of a nudge. <laughs> Guy falls off. He's, there's a mad scramble up. About 20 people just trying to fight each other up to the top. It's like an episode of Gladiators. Yes. <laughs> And then you've just got poor Jeff, who, who just lives up a pillar because he's got nowhere else to live. He got lost. Everyone else thinks he's one of the holy men. He hasn't got a clue what's going on. No, he doesn't know how he got up there. He... No, he just woke up with a hangover one there <laughs> up the pillar. Can't get down. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's, he's happy, though, because everyone keeps throwing him food every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And asking for advice. Yeah, actually, th this, is a, this is a step up for Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. So, can you throw me a parachute? Anyway, one man who was a follower of Simeon, the original pillar dweller, left Syria soon after Simeon died and made his way to Constantinople. Once there, he looked around and he found himself a nice-looking pillar just north of the city. Brilliant. This will do, he thought, so up he scrambled. <laughs> Unfortunately, the man who owned the land was not too happy that there was now a man living up a pillar <laughs> on Oi! his land. <laughs> Get off my pillar! <laughs> What are you doing up there? I'm using that pillar for my own benefits and needs. It's where I dry my cows. <laughs> Look, they've got three blowing already in the wind. <laughs> anyway, he went off to Constantinople to complain, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy at my bloody pillar. Fill out form 294. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have become quite common. <laughs> yeah. 
However, the idea of having a holy man so conveniently close to the city seemed to appeal to uh, those higher up, and it was decided that this man, who was Daniel, could stay up his pillar. But he's on my land! History does not record what happened to the farmer. I'm guessing he was compensated somehow. Still on my bloody pillar, though. (laughs) Well, actually, he probably got his pillar back. Oh. Yes, because several years later, when Leo was emperor... Leo was so impressed with Daniel, he built him not one, but two pillars. Nice. Right next to his old pillar, and then he used a plank to walk across to his new pillars. New digs. Gee, oh. <laughs> <laughs> when they just stood on it for a little time, it's all right, but... <laughs> Why is there two pillars, though? Well, that's just extravagant. It is a bit extravagant. Do you think one pillar was his weekend pillar? <laughs> a holiday pillar, <laughs> Spend August on that one. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's Daniel. He spends a total of 33 years up his pillar. Ah, wimp. He only comes down once, and we'll see when that happens. <laughs> Neither we. <laughs> Been holding that in since the 20s. <laughs> you just hear him going, it's about a month later, still going. <laughs> so, we love a tap on out here. No farmer, go back. It's just Daniel. <laughs> Sounds like a bloody waterfall. He's irrigating my crops. <laughs> So from his pillar, Daniel would preach or meditate. He would stand until he collapsed. Sometimes someone would climb a ladder for some advice. Or to be <laughs> healed. He was a healer as well, apparently. Yeah. Handy first aid kit, aren't Yeah. We're not sure exactly what the top of his pillar looked like. It would appear that he had some kind of crude shelter. But we just don't know. A little alcove, maybe. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is full on treehouse. <laughs> but uh, two floors. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, by the time of our story, when Zeno and Leo turn up, Daniel had been up his pillar for about nine years. Okay. <laughs> and that—that's what a stylite is. I thought you'd enjoy learning about the stylites. Fantastic. <laughs> but back to Zeno. Here we go. So Leo and Zeno went to go and see Daniel. Climbed up a ladder. Had a quick chat to him the wise man of Papilla. Apparently, he warned them that Zeno was going to be the victim of a conspiracy. Ooh. So Leo sends some of his personal guard with Zeno just in case when Zeno goes off to fight. Unfortunately for Zeno, the two guards chosen to go with him had been bribed by Aspar to kill him. Ah, oh, Daniel's right. Daniel was right. See, there's a reason why they went to him. Yeah. He knew his onions. He did. He did. All those things that were planted at the bottom of his pillar. <laughs> Fortunately for Zeno, the conspiracy fails, and Zeno was able to escape. Realising that things were a bit tense in the capital, Zeno then heads for Antioch, hoping that things will calm down a bit. Yeah. And things did calm down, but only after Leo murders Aspar and his son. <laughs> yeah, that'll solve the problem. Zeno was then able to return to Constantinople. Not too long after this, Leo proclaims that Zeno's son, Leo II, would be Caesar. If Zeno was annoyed by this generational skip, there's no record of it. But I imagine he would have been. Yes. Oh, damn it. Yeah. He pre-bought the robe and everything. Non-returnable as well. Yeah. And and the child's still not even potty trained, Leo. Come on. Come on. And then Leo dies, as we saw in his episode. Perhaps earlier than people were expecting, because suddenly the six-year-old son was the emperor. In a move that surprised exactly no one at all, Zeno and Ariadne convinced the six-year-old son to pronounce Zeno as co-emperor. 
Hmm. A sensible move, because as we know, Leo II died a few months later. Yeah. That's not to say things were easy for the Isaurian, though. Prejudice against Isaurians was still very strong. It's just about in living memory still that the tribe was raiding towns in Asia Minor, hmm. and that general had to go and sort them out. Isaurians don't have a good name, so definitely a lot of prejudice against him. Leo had brought in the Isaurians to counter the Germanic factions that had held power at court, but there were many that did not see the Isaurians as an improvement. Not only this, Zeno had a lot of things on his plate. The Ostrogoths and the Huns were still coming over the Danube and raiding. Strength. The Sassanid Persians were still a threat despite being quiet for a while, and most importantly, Gesseric and the Vandals were now full of themselves. There's a lot of bad things going on. Yes, definitely. If you remember, Gesseric had just beaten the combined might of the East and the West. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Vandals thought they were all that. They, I'm not surprised. Well, they probably were all that. They're walking around like pigeons. <laughs> Do pigeons think they're all that? Breasts out. Fair enough. So because Gesseric was so confident, they start to raid Greece. Not Greece? Yes, Greece. Oh, and also the West. That's still kicking around. Yeah. There's some guardsman named Glycerius who had taken over. <laughs> was it not time to sort that out, thought Zeno. Zeno, however, is not alone. You'll be glad to hear. Good. He's not facing all this on his own. He's got a really, really trusted general himself called Illus. 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 Remember Illus, he becomes important. Anyway, first thing Zeno decides to do is focus on the Vandals, as many emperors done before him. We need to do something about the Vandals. I suppose every emperor said that since Nero's time. <laughs> Not quite that far back, but yeah, I get I get what you mean. It's been going on for quite some time. It's like now. trying to it's like trying to mow the lawn going, right, sorted, done now. Turn around, it's grown again a few months later. It's like yeah, that. Yeah, it it's is like a perpetual bit. motion. Well, he tries something a bit new here. He sends an envoy named Severus to Carthage to talk to Gesseric. Severus. Apparently, Gesseric was very impressed by Severus because Severus refused to be bribed. Mm. So impressed was the Vandal King that he decided to release any Roman prisoners he had at the time, which is nice. <laughs> That's pretty weird. I guess morals and... Fortitude was sort of seen as important things back then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, Gesseric's in a position where he can afford to be magnanimous. <laughs> Throw him a bone every now and again. What's that? You want Steve back? Yeah, take him. Jeff? Oh, you don't want him. <laughs> Fine. Where is he anyway? <laughs> Jeff, why are you want that pillar? Not sure why the pillar's in Africa. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's a wild bender he went on. Not only was Gesseric going to release prisoners, they come up with a peace deal. Hmm. which lasts for quite some time. That's good. Yeah. In fact, we'll see when it ends, but it won't be soon. Yeah. Gesseric probably thinking that the East is more trouble than it's worth at this point. Hmm. He might not get so lucky next time the Romans attacked, and the West is a lot weaker, so yeah, make, make peace with the East. Why not? That makes sense. While Severus was thrashing out this peace deal, trouble was brewing in the Danube region. Now, if you remember, there is a Gothic leader called Theoderic Strabo at this point. Yes. He was leading a nation of Ostrogoths. Strength. They were technically part of the Roman army, but not really, but yes, but no, in true Gothic style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we've seen before. Living on the edge. Yeah, Strabo was not happy. He quite liked Aspar, apparently, and uh, now some dirty Isaurian was in charge. Things looked bleak for his people. So, Strabo attacked and killed the Master of Soldiers in Thrace. Zeno sends his trusted general Illus out to fight. 
who managed to win and end that particular war. Well done there. Mm. Not only this, there's also problems occurring in the West. Zeno had no plans to agree with this Glycerius person becoming the emperor. Now, before Leo had died, there was a plan of sending the governor of Dalmatia out to take over. This was a man called Nepos, yeah. as we have seen. But then Leo died and the plan kind of fell apart. So Zeno decides, no, this was a good plan. I'm going to carry on with this. So Zeno sends some men to Nepos and Nepos then goes to Italy to take over there. Wonderful. He'll have the West back in no time. But while this was going on, there were some internal problems. Ooh, like gastro problems, that sort of thing. More, more within the empire than, oh, okay. than personal, but possibly that as well. That's not recorded, but let's okay. say there was. Right. There was whispers of a coup. Oh. <laughs> Just really polite pigeons. And they reached Zeno's ears. And then riots start in the city. Zeno was startled when Verena, his mother-in-law, so Leo the First's widow, mm. she's still knocking around, Verena rushes in and tells him that she's found out about a plot against his life. He must flee at once. Run away. Zeno, feeling the walls closing in at this point, decides it's best to retreat to safety. Back to Isauria. That's the plan. However, once on the road, several things became painfully clear to Zeno. Number one, Verena was actually working against him and had just tricked him into leaving the city. Oh dear. Number two, she was working with her brother, Basiliscus. If you remember Basiliscus being the person who failed the Vandal War. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Leo's brother-in-law. Oh, the idiot. The idiot, yes. Yes. That's Verena's brother. Oh, dear. So the two of them are in cahoots. Oh, poor Verena. Number three. Oh, there's more. Oh, yes. <laughs> Zeno then realises that the Ostrogoth Strabo was also on their side. So there's a backup army. Number four. He then finds out that anyone that he had left behind, because he'd only taken his inner circle with him, anyone left behind loyal to him had just been slaughtered. Ah. Quite an effective coup there. That's surprisingly effective for Basiliscus. So this, this, this sounds like civil war building here. Oh, yes. Still, as devastating as all this was, no need to change the plan, since the plan was run away to Isauria. Mm. Well, let's carry on doing that, shall we? <laughs> but a bit faster, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Let's get up to a trot, at least, shall we? Come on. Failing that, a canter. However, he soon realised that someone was hot on his heels. None other than Illus. <gasps> he's trusted general. Trusted general. Wonderful. My advisor, my general is... By oh, no, he's actually chasing us. Ah. <laughs> Some form of battle took place. We don't have any details, unfortunately, but Zeno manages to hold up in a fortification. However, his brother, Longinus, <laughs> was captured by Illus and held hostage. <laughs> yeah, how none of them could say his name. We have your brother, Longinus. Stop sniggering. <laughs> After this, Zeno manages to escape and finally gets back to Isauria. Okay, massive trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's safe. Once okay. there, he's safe for a while. Meanwhile, back in Constantinople, the conspirators were celebrating. <whistles> sort of. Oh. The problem with having so many people involved in the plot is that the winners start arguing. Yeah. Verena's plan was to elevate her lover to become the emperor so she could go back to being the Augusta. Nice. However, Basiliscus was one step ahead of her and had her lover executed. Oh. Yeah. Nasty. Also, when Illus returned from fighting with Zeno, 
he found out that all the Isaurians that had been left behind had been slaughtered. Illus is an Isaurian himself. Ah. He's not best pleased about this. No one told him about that part of the plan. This is so racist. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Wading through the blood. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. this is unacceptable. Then we have Basiliscus. He's not happy because he soon realised that Zeno had cleverly not left behind the treasury. So he's talking like a big pile of gold on Oh, yes. Brilliant. Well done, Zeno. Yeah. Because that means Basiliscus has no money whatsoever. <laughs> Pay your soldiers. Strabo was possibly the only happy one, because his part of the deal was to be named Master of the Armies. However, Strabo's happiness soon disappeared when he discovered that Basiliscus had gone back on his word and given his nephew the position instead. Oh. Yeah. So no one, literally no one in this conspiracy is happy despite the fact that they had won. <laughs> sure enough, the mutterings soon start. First of all, Basiliscus was forced to levy a huge tax because he had no money. Not only that, he was also promoting a version of Christianity that most thought was heretical. Uh, what? What? Um, we don't need to go into the details. <laughs> Believe me, I started looking and it was one of those, oh, this is a rabbit hole of theology. <laughs> uh, we will discuss it a bit more later on. Uh, but for now, just know that people weren't happy with him. Oh, and the, the city was on fire again. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't make Brilliant. anyone happy. <laughs> no. no, this was the biggest fire since the last one they had a few decades ago. It's really just like everything's just gone absolutely to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. People were more than happy to blame Basiliscus. After all, wasn't he the traitor who had purposely lost against the Vandals those few years ago? Why is he in charge? Meanwhile, Zeno had not been idle. First of all, he built up some troops, but more importantly, he'd sent some agents into the capital. They kept humming that. Yeah. Bow ties, full yeah. dinner suits. Dark glasses. Yeah. He knew what to do, did Zeno. Da -na 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 -na. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Are you a spy? Um... Da -na -na -na. <laughs> Run! <laughs> Perhaps inspired by the coup against him, he plotted to turn Basiliscus's people against him. He's doing it himself. <laughs> well, yes, there is that. In what must have been a very awkward secret meeting, he persuaded Illus to switch sides again. So he's got his trusted general back on side. <laughs> Not only that, and this is the impressive one, he also convinced Basiliscus's nephew to portray his uncle. Oh, the Master of the Armies. Yes, this is the one that's just been promoted Ooh. to Master of the Armies. The one who has Strabo's job. This nephew was promised that his son would become Caesar when Zeno was back on the throne. That is quite the gift. Mm, will he live up to that? We'll see. <laughs> By this point, Basiliscus had learnt that Zeno and Illus had joined forces and were marching on Constantinople, so he sends his nephew out with the forces to stop them. But the army just happened to go the wrong way. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Leaving the road completely clear for Zeno. Basiliscus's last chance was Strabo and the Goths. Strabo, you know how I killed all your friends? You and then, and I didn't give you that job that I promised you. Yeah. Any chance? No? No? Okay. No, the Goths <laughs> were not feeling particularly helpful at that point. However, <laughs> Basiliscus still has the walls. That's true. There's no getting in to Constantinople. Unless, I don't know, 
someone just went and opened the gates or something. You can't just get into Constantinople. <laughs> no. Does this, this happen to coincide the time when Jeff came down from the pillar? <laughs> I think it did, yes. <laughs> Wait uh, that. Actually, it was uh, members of the Senate that went and opened the gates. Oh. <laughs> no one liked Basiliscus. <laughs> yeah, so... Basiliscus, at this point, flees to the Patriarch of Constantinople, so head bishop, okay. equivalent of Pope in Constantinople, and uh, asks for asylum. Through the Patriarch, Basiliscus agreed to surrender on the promise that Zeno would not kill him or his family. Of course. Zeno promised, arrested them, and then sent them to a fortress in Cappadocia. All right. And do you think he kills them? Accidents happen. <laughs> <laughs> Basiliscus was put in a dry system and just left. I won't kill you, but I will just leave you to die of exposure and starvation. Nice. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. Oh, yes. There is one source that says he was beheaded, but I prefer this one of him not technically breaking yeah. his promise. As for the nephew, you've already doubted that Zeno would keep that promise. Yeah. The nephew's son could become Caesar. Do you think he keeps this one? I bet he does, actually. He oh, he does. Word. Yes. Yeah. The nephew's son was pronounced Caesar in 476. However, <laughs> in 477, the nephew was just put away somewhere. <laughs> and uh, the new Caesar was deposed and uh, he was bishoped. Well, I don't think he went as high as a bishop. He was monked. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. I, was, I was paying for his bishoping, but you know, no, it's all uh, pretty rough. It didn't kill him, though, so the <laughs> the kid wasn't killed. Yeah, that's all right. But he's no longer Caesar. No. But he kept his promise for a little bit. Yeah. And there you go. As for his mother-in-law, he sent her to Isauria to be a prisoner. Hard to kill your mother-in-law. Awkward conversations to be had. Yeah. Yeah. So, off to prison, Farina goes. Still, Zeno is back. Now, what was he in the middle of? Ah, yes, the West. That's what he was trying to sort out before he went. He needed to make sure that the East got control of the West once more. So he gets his map out and uh, was somewhat surprised to see he couldn't find the Western Roman Empire on the map anymore. That's <laughs> where I left it. Where it was there before, where I left. <laughs> What's going on, guys? I've only been gone a couple of years. It turned out that Nepos had succeeded taking the West, but had failed to keep it. And so had the next person, some kid called Augustulus. And now there was someone called Odoacer in charge over there. Who had he claimed as his puppet emperor? Zeno asked. No one? Oh, that's interesting. Soon after that, Roger turns up. Hello, sir. There's a note from Odoacer. How about rejoining the Empire? This whole East-West thing, who needs that anymore? You're clearly the emperor, Zeno. But I'll just look after this little bit for you, as patrician. Hmm. Interesting, thinks Zeno. Roger, however, obviously always has more than one letter. Yeah. He's efficient. This one was from Nepos, who was not dead, oh. if you remember. Oh, yeah. He's hanging out feeling miserable with Glycerius in Dalmatia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Both of them getting drunk and just arguing yeah. with each other. Nepos asks for troops and money to take Italy back. Zeno thinks things over and decides on a plan of action. By action, he writes a couple of notes. Yeah. Yeah. He replies to both, saying Nepos is clearly the emperor, and the Senate in the West should recognise him as such. Also, he had no objection to Odoacer acting as patrician to the West, but obviously it was Nepos's decision, as he was the emperor of the West. Enclosed to the letter to Nepos, however, was exactly no money and zero troops. <laughs> Essentially, Zeno said, 
you know what, sort this one out for yourselves, because uh, I'm trying to secure my own throne. Good luck, Godspeed. Yeah. yeah. Nepos is emperor, but yeah, whatever. I've got stuff to deal with. Because things were shaky for Zeno still. Introducing a new character this week, Marcion. Oh. Now, if you remember, Marcion obviously was the emperor a few episodes ago. Yeah. This Marcion is his grandson. Oh, okay. Marcion had ruled... All right, he got lucky with Attila, he saved lots of money, and then he died. Everyone thought, if you remember, Anthemius should take over. Mm. But Aspar chose Leo instead. Anthemius did well in the army, eventually went west and became emperor over there, yeah. attempting to wrestle the west out of Rickmer's control. Yeah. He didn't do too well, and Rickmer killed him in a civil war. However, during this civil war, Leo, unable to send troops, decided to do something else. Ooh. What? And I did mention this in Anthemius' episode. That was months ago. I can't remember. But that was months ago. <laughs> so to remind you, Leo, in order to show Rickamer who he really supported, arranges a marriage between his daughter and Anthemius' son. Marcion. Marcion. Ah. Yes. Marcion oh. marries Leo's daughter. This meant that he has quite a strong claim on the throne. Ah, okay. Marcion is the grandson of an Eastern Emperor, the son of a Western Emperor, and now the son-in-law of another Eastern Emperor. He's got quite a good claim. Oh, yes. This is much better than just being the father to a child Emperor who is now dead. Yeah. Which is what Zeno's got. Yeah. So sure enough, there's a growing faction behind Marcion mm. who wants to take over, especially since Zeno is an Isaurian. He's not really one of us. Yeah, he's... Okay, he's a citizen. He's yeah. in the Empire, but... Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, because both Marcion and Zeno were both married to a daughter of Leo, this means they're brother-in-laws as well. <laughs> well, that's an awkward reunion. <laughs> oh, yes. This also means, in the wonderful convoluted family tree, that Verena, who currently is in prison in yeah. Isauria is also Marcion's mother-in-law. Ooh. Ooh. So Marcion can now turn around to Zeno and say, you've just locked up my mother-in-law. Ooh. You can only imagine what Marcion's wife has to say about what's going on as well. A lot of prodding. Sure enough, a plot was hatched. Marcion led a surprise attack against the house of Illus and the palace at the same time. Wow. Illus, very powerful at this point. Fighting was fierce and lasted all day, apparently. It looked like it could go either way. However, in the end, the Isaurian forces were able to beat back the rebels. Ah, rebel scum. <laughs> Strabo, incidentally, was meant to be helping out. Strabo's always on the edge of these things. Yeah. Strabo said, yeah, I'll help you, Marcion, but he turned up late. <laughs> Zeno didn't kill Marcion. Oh. No, he just monked him instead. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Shortly after this, Ariadne, the Empress, started thinking about her mother. One in prison. The one in prison, yes. Verena. Yeah. I mean, all these riots had just happened, and it was all because Verena was in prison. So th this gets Ariadne thinking, perhaps maybe I want my mum back home. So she then starts asking her husband to bring Verena back. Zeno, hmm. feeling a bit trapped here, decided to do what any brave leader should do. He palmed his wife off to Illus. <laughs> nice. Saying to her that if Illus agreed, of course Verena could come back. Nice. Again, proving how powerful Illus was at this point. Illus despised Verena by this point. <laughs> 
probably blaming her for the slaughter of the Isaurians oh, during yeah. their coup. So when Ariadne asked if her mother could return, he replied, Why do you want her here? Is it that she may set up another emperor against your husband? To which I'd like to think Ariadne turned around and went, I'm sorry, put, put your hand up if you've actually staged a coup against my <laughs> husband. Anyone in this room? Illus? Oh, just you. <laughs> Anyway, Ariadne, fuming, returns to Zeno, demanding, Is Illus to be in the palace or I? Ooh. To which, apparently, Zeno replied, Do what you can. I prefer you. (laughs) (laughs) Rather have you, but... (laughs) I'm not actually going to do anything myself. (laughs) Ariadne sees this as permission to do what she wants. One day, whilst walking out, a man jumped up behind Illus and swung a sword at him. His guard managed to deflect the blow, but not completely. Illus's ear was chopped off. Ooh. Ooh, nasty. The assassin was killed on the spot. Yeah. That night, a huge argument raged. Zeno was adamant he knew nothing of the plot. Illus did not believe him. In the end, Illus decided to take the job of master of the armies in the east and set off for Antioch. So what's going to happen next? Is Ilias going to come back with a few people? Well, it should be a surprise to no one whatsoever that once there, the first thing he did was break Marcion out from his monk prison. Ah. And declared him emperor. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. But Ilias didn't stop there. He then wrote to the Persians and to Odoacer in Italy asking for support. Oh. Unfortunately for Ilias... No one was too keen to get involved. Things were obviously stressful for Illus at this time, because he soon ditched Marcion. What? Yeah. Maybe they didn't get on, but the idea... Pickle, isn't he? The idea of Marcion being the puppet emperor for whatever reason didn't work, and in a shock move... Went back this, to... <laughs> not back to Constantinople, went to Isauria, and broke Verena out of prison. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Got over his hatred for her... And then got her to declare one of his generals as emperor. She had a bit more prestige, so she'd be able to get away with just declaring a general rather than Marcion. <sighs> yes. <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't know. He's flip-flopping around like a fish. Zeno, desperate for forces at this point, sends message to the Goths for help. And then, with the Gothic support, meets the threat. Now, we know little of the conflict, unfortunately, other than the fact that when they met, Zeno wins the battle. Nice. Illus and Verena flee back to Isauria again, where Zeno's troops trap them and siege them. Shortly after the siege starts, word comes out from the inside. Verena is dead. (gasps) No idea what happened. Guessing a bit of a falling out. Possibly. (laughs) We had a bit of an argument. Gotta be heated. (laughs) Yes. It's a bloody handprint on his chest plate. (laughs) Whoops. Illus, however, lasts four years. That's good determination there, isn't it? Yeah. Before eventually someone betrayed him, he was taken, and finally Illus was beheaded. Oh. So, small deviation now. You might have been slightly confused by the sudden arrival of the Goths and why they were willing to help Zeno, considering they've been trying to depose him for all this time. No, not really. Oh, well, if listeners you were wondering that, let me explain. The Goths. I've mentioned the Goths a few times, especially Strabo and how they're in the Danube region, but it's a bit more complicated than that, and I do need to clear this up slightly. There are actually two separate groups of Ostrogoths at this point. There was 
One led by Theoderic and the other led by Theoderic. Oh, that clears it up. Oh, yes. This is why we have Theoderic Strabo, who I've just been calling Strabo. And the uh. other one is Theoderic the Great, <laughs> who, if you remember, I mentioned in Leo's episode, when he was a child, he stayed in Constantinople. And I said, oh, I'm just going to mention him once here. He came here as a child. He comes up later. And I said the city name The Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's grown up now, and he's in charge of one of the Ostrogoth groups. As we've seen, Strabo was not particularly keen on Zeno and used any opportunity to bring him down. Zeno, therefore, allied himself with the rival Gothic army in the Danube area, led by Theoderic the Great. The politics between the two Gothic nations and Zeno is long and complex, and we really don't need to get into the details. Mm. All you need to know is that the three sides distrusted each other completely. Okay. None of them really believed a word that the other sides were saying. Fair enough. And they were constantly trying to form allegiances and counter-allegiances against each other. But generally, you've got Zeno on one side, Strabo on the other, and Theoderic the Great in the middle, kind of... Trying to balance it out. Yeah, and making the best of the situation. Huge oversimplification there, but it will do for now. (sighs) Eventually, however, this all ends when Strabo dies. This makes a huge difference because Theoderic the Great, who I can now just call Theoderic, was able to take control of both groups. Ah, so he balances it out. Yes, there is now only one Ostrogothic group in the Danube region, but it was a force to be reckoned with. So, Zeno realised he'd best do some reckoning. He made Theoderic consul in 484, a move that must have infuriated many of the conservatives in the Senate. Oh, yeah. Most things do. Yeah, Theoderic wasn't even a Roman citizen, and he was now consul. Yeah. However, they must have realised the wisdom of such a move. Constantinople had to keep the Goths on side at this point. Big picture, guys. Come on. Yes. And this catches us up with the war against Illus, because when Zeno asked the Goths for help, it's no longer Strabo he's asking, it's Theoderic the Great he's asking. Got it. Yes. The relationships have improved there. However, things aren't perfect between the two sides, because in 486, Theoderic sieges Constantinople, cutting its water supply. It was unlikely he could take the city. Constantinople, as we know, is a tough nut to crack. Mm. But, as we've seen with the Goths before, especially with Alaric, the Goths reasoned that showing the Romans how powerful they are from time to time is a sensible thing to do. So it was just a show of force, really. Zeno realised that this situation cannot go on. He's been listening to this podcast, and he realises that this has been going on for quite some time, and it needs to be sorted out. There we are. He knew it was time to to think outside the box a little bit here. Think outside the walls. Yeah, well, what are the Goths here for? To bully us. Come on, think bigger than that. Why are they really here? Well, they want to be part of the Empire, don't they? Yeah, so they they want land. Yeah. They want somewhere to settle. And we always know giving land to the Goths and the tribes always works out well. Well, Sino obviously realised he couldn't just give the Danube regions, like, Thrace away. A lot of people would have something to say about that. Yeah. However, isn't there a whole bunch of land that we're not really using? Like, in the West. That whole Western Empire thing's not really working at the moment, is it? So, Zeno approaches Theoderic and stated, and I quote her, In the case that Odoacer were conquered, Theoderic should, as a reward of his labours, rule in the place of Odoacer until Zeno came himself. Hmm. 
So, if you happen to go to Italy, I'll be looking the other way. <laughs> oh, what's that over there out that window? <laughs> yeah. Looking really intently at the east. Theoderic does not take long to decide. He could have all of Italy, which included Milan, Ravenna, and Rome. Still huge cities. Mm. And with the blessing of the Eastern Empire. Or he could squabble over the Danube region some more. Why well, are you going to go for the easy picking, aren't you? You're going to go. Let's pick that carcass. <laughs> so the Ostrogoths set off. Sources say 100,000 of them, but as always, it's probably an exaggeration, but it's still a large group of Ostrogoths. A billion! A billion Ostrogoths, let's say that, left the Danube region and headed into Italy. Now, again, Riding their kangaroos. <laughs> yes, playing their war didgeridoos. <laughs> doing, doing, doing. <laughs> As we've seen so far in this episode, we just don't have details on the, the fights, unfortunately. Uh, we do know that after a year, Odoacer was all but defeated, but he managed to cling on for another two and a half years. Now, the war began with Odoacer and Theoderic facing off against each other in 489. Odoacer loses, and then a month later they meet again. This time, Odoacer loses even more. <laughs> Odoacer flees to Ravenna, Theoderic goes to Milan to set up shop there. By this time, our old friends, the Visigoths, came along yeah. to help out. Last time we saw the Visigoths, Yorick was in charge. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was doing all right. He died, however, not no. long ago. His son, Alaric II, hey. is now in charge. And they are happy to help their eastern brothers. Odoacer, not knowing about the deal between Theoderic and Zeno, probably asked for help at this point. Hmm. No help came. Oh. No. Another battle took place. Again, the Goths win. It's looking very bad here. The Goths now control pretty much all of Italy. It didn't help Odoacer that most people in Italy absolutely hated him and saw the Goths as liberators. Rumour soon spread that Zeno had actually given blessings. This is the Eastern Emperor getting our land back against yeah. this horrible Odoacer. Odoacer's in a bit of trouble. Eventually, he is holed up in Ravenna. Now, Ravenna, if you remember, was selected because it's surrounded by marshes, so therefore very hard to break into. Like a lake town. Yeah, exactly. Just the dragons you have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. But they were sleeping. Yeah. So, for two years, Zeno sieges. Ravenna. Eventually, a peace agreement was made. It was decided that the two would rule together as kings. Kings? Yes. Kings? Well, sort of. We we shouldn't rule too much into the use of the word king here. Uh, The word rex started to be used, which means king. But... It, but it doesn't. It didn't have the same connotations as it necessarily no. does to us. Just like ruler. Yeah, ruler. Yeah, it was being With used. With a crown and a castle. Yeah. And princesses. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to both rule together, perhaps as patricians might be a better way to put it. But yeah, we're starting to see the word king being used. Yeah. So, joint rule. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Theoderic entered the city and the two met where Theoderic personally killed Odoacer <laughs> and then ordered the death of all his men. Nice. Just <laughs> wrap all those loose ends. <laughs> yes. Italy, and what was still seen as the West Empire, no longer belonged to Odoacer, but to Theoderic the Great and the Goths. So after all this time of the Visigoths trying their hardest, the Ostrogoths just walked in right at the end and took it. 
Oh, that's, that's, oh. <laughs> oh, that's not right, is it? But th- they were very close. Theoderic actually ends up ruling both of them in the end. Oh, really? Yeah, he kind of unifies them in a, in a sense. A big but, gothic horde. Yeah, we'll, we'll find more out about them later. That's interesting. Anyway, so there you go. That's uh, what's going on in the West. Back over to the East. Zeno's dead. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he died shortly <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's options, though. Yay! There's three options. I already know which one you'll pick. The dwarf with the dragon. <laughs> well, number one, dysentery. Yeah, going for that. No, you're not. All right. <laughs> Nasty, horrible, bloody, pooey death. Ew. Number two, epilepsy. Oh. Or number three. <laughs> he got really drunk one night and he passed out. Ariadne announced that he was dead. They had a funeral. Zeno then awoke from his stupor inside, a sarco- <laughs> inside his sarcophagus and started shouting. Let me out! <laughs> but Ariadne apparently would not let it be opened. Does she keep saying the eulogy even louder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he would not even let my mother out of prison. Yeah. So, uh, buried alive. I'll go for that one. Yeah, well, obviously. He's so <laughs> drunk and buried alive. Yes. That sounds like a mental night out, doesn't it? <laughs> that would have been a short hangover film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just a very long, boring one. <laughs> yeah. Just watching a man slowly suffocating in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should probably say that this last one's not very likely. It and, uh, is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's more a story from the 1600s that became popular is the reason why this is a theory. But no, no, it happened. Come on. We know how we approach history. Yeah. And that definitely happened. So yeah. he was uh, buried alive. I like it. There you go. That's Zeno. Yeah, okay. What do you think? Quite good, actually. I like the way he sort of came back and tried to solidify himself, made good deals with the Goths and sorted them out while at the same time giving them land. Yeah, he- and kept it pretty stable. It's not actually bad, is it? No, it's not bad. better than I expected. Okay, well, let's write him. Fighting Maximus. Maximus. Okay, fair bit here, but no real details, which always not. goes against people. He may have fought under the general Zeno, but we don't know that. That is pure speculation. He did lead armies under Leo and was successful. He then ran the personal guard and was successful. Leo did not die. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did eventually, but it wasn't Zeno's fault. When he was chased out of the city, when he returns, he manages to get the city back. Yes, he does. He managed to take over Constantinople. That's impressive. Okay, the door was open. <laughs> so maybe less <laughs> but, but impressive. It, but it proves that they wanted him back, though. Yeah, but is that fighty or is that successus? Mm. Yeah. He fought back the Huns. There's a, a bit of evidence of that. But again, not really any details. He defeated Illus twice. Yeah. Although the second time was probably in his name rather than him being there. The first time he seems to have been there, though. Mm. So that's two battles that we know of against his trusted general. <laughs> I love the fact that Illus came back. <laughs> Yeah. After betraying him once and then betrayed him again. Um, once he, a cheater, always a cheater. Yeah. He politically defeated, talking about political fighting here, he politically defeats Odoacer at the end using the Ostrogoths. 
Yeah, that's true. Quite a good move. You could argue Odoacer wasn't particularly a threat. It was more getting the Ostrogoths out of his land, but it was a good political move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, is that more successus? Uh, bad. No really big decisive battles and very little on the way of detail, which unfortunately does go against him slightly. Well, he's clearly a good general. Um, he could do well. And he had a lot of winning. I... I I think I'm going to have to straight away go to a base of five because he did fighting on multiple occasions and he won. Mm. Does he deserve more than that, though? I want to give him six because he, he built, he beat Illus a few times, but yeah, was stupid enough to trust him. He beat did, the coup. Did he ever lose? No. Didn't, did he? So at least six, I would say. Probably even, I'm probably not, I'm probably not to seven, but I'd say, mm. I'm going to put six for me. I'm going to go for six as well. All right. Yeah. Twelve, not bad. Caprovium crazium. I bet you got something good with this. I really don't. Oh, sorry man. to disappoint you. There's, there's nothing really. Um, he went back on his word and he killed Basiliscus's nephew. Did he kill him, or just turn into a monk? Didn't he? No, he monked the nephew's son. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah he he killed the nephew because let's face it, <laughs> there's no way he was going to trust him. No. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Basiliscus's nephew was apparently disliked by pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah. Nice. There's a quote that, in one of the history books that said Strabo in particular hated him, because obviously he took Strabo's job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That said all he cared about was his toilet. Oh? Yeah, I thought that for a while and realised it's probably a translation thing. Toilet as in ode to toilet, as in appearance. And, oh, yeah. I'm with you. Maybe, however, he just really loved his toilets. <laughs> like a whole library in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, I mean, that's it's not particularly crazy. To be honest, Zero. I'd say he was nothing. actually quite nice by monking people and not killing them yeah. and uh, giving people second chances. Good sane. Like I say, he monked people. But there is the fact that everyone around him seemed to be completely traitorous backstabbers. <laughs> uh, but not Zeno himself no, as much. True. But, I mean, everyone else was. What a horrible family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he really liked Backgammon. Oh. Or a game very similar that was called Tabula. That yeah. yeah, it's a precursor to it, but, like, essentially the same game. All right. Apparently. So, yeah, he was, he was really into that. Okay. That's uh, good to know. It's, yeah, it is. It's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... I, Zero. Can I give him anything at all? Did he do anything crazy? No. I don't think he did, did he? He was just... He just got on with it. He did starve someone to death. Yeah, but he didn't kill them. He was following what he said. He kept his word. But does he deserve a point just for, for doing that? For sheer ballsiness. Yeah. yeah maybe. I'm going to give him a point for right, that one. I'll give you that one point then. So okay, one. that is a one for a program crazy. Success ultimate. He made peace with Gesseric and the Vandals that actually lasted. Mm. That's impressive. Now, probably should say now, this is going to make you sad. It was during this episode that Gesseric finally died. Oh. Age 77. Wow. Yeah. He deserves, I think, to be in his own box in the Colosseum. <laughs> yeah. He is a better foe, I would say, than even Attila and Shapur was. He, he has been... The toughest person for the Romans to beat yeah. in our entire podcast. And he didn't really. Well, no, no. They never beat him. He died at 77 after defeating everything that was thrown at him. So um, there you go. Gesseric's dead. Uh, interestingly, his uh, son, Hunneric, who married Eudoxia, remember? 
Oh, yeah. Took over shortly afterwards, but didn't last too long. So at the time, at the end of this episode, it's actually Gesserit's grandson, Gunthermund, who's in charge. <laughs> Gunthermund. Yeah, so we've got some new Vandal leaders. Excellent, okay. We'll see what happens there. Mm. Just a little teaser for you. Honorick and Eudoxia have a child. That child, therefore, is the grandson to Valentinian III. Ooh. Ooh. And Gesserit. Oh, oh, that's interesting. That's some claiming going on there. Mm. Anyway, I'll just leave that nugget there. Right. Anyway. You've whetted the appetite. Yeah. Back to Zeno. What did he do that's good? Uh, he got rid of the Germanic people causing problems in the Danube area. Mm. That's mightily impressive. There's always problems in the Danube region. Always problems. Um, and there's been problems with Goths and Huns in the Danube region for as long as I can remember. Mm. This pretty much sorts it out. Yeah. Yeah. Job done. Nice. There you go. You can have the West. Oh. <laughs> great. <laughs> See you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Not great for the West. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't count now. Not interested in that anymore. No. Then uh, go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, for what Zeno was looking after, good for the East. So, well done there. He attempts to mediate between the ever-arguing factions of Christianity. So you asked what it was all about earlier. There's a little bit of detail here. This time the argument was over whether Christ had one or two natures. What? Yeah, it was one of those meetings. Like woodland and field, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yes. Zeno issued the Act of Union in in an attempt to settle things. It was decided, right, guys, seriously this time, we all agree, yeah, Christ was the only begotten son of God... One and not two. Got that? What? That That's what he is. He's the only begotten son of God, and he's one, not two. Do we all agree with that? So he's not two people? No, he's one person. The word nature was just kind of left out, so no one would argue with it anymore and hope that would just go away. Yes, we are still dealing with all the semantics. Wow. Yeah. A lot of infighting going on. Oh, I think Easter Bunny and uh, Santa were there. Yeah, they're still there thrashing it out. The um, the side that uh, were not happy with this was the side that Basiliscus was supporting. Of course. And that's why people were not happy with him. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, there you go. So he, he fixed some schisms in Christianity, uh, but perhaps more pressingly he managed to get peace with the Vandals and he sorted out the Gothic problem. Nice. I'm impressed with that. Yeah. He's, I think he's done very well. He's kept it pretty Considering stable. he did that whilst at the same time as literally everyone he's ever met mm. conspiring against him. He did those end up being cooed. He, oh, he was pigeoned pretty hardcore. He was, but then he... was he, run out of the city. He pigeoned right back, though, didn't he? <laughs> That's true. So I think that kind but of But it happened in the first out. place. I don't know if uh, it happened in the first place. I think did. that's kind of a weak leader. But it's impressive how he got back in. Oh, very impressive, yeah. But it was down to the internal infighting that basically caused that. Wasn't he? He was. He wasn't very responsible for that. It was just Basiliscus was so he, he managed to, terrible. He managed to turn Basiliscus's nephew though, which is impressive. Yeah, but he probably said, "Look at him. Look at your uncle. He's an idiot." <laughs> yeah. Okay, go on. Score. Score. Um, five. I'm gonna go for six. I think he equals Leo. I don't. Okay. No coups happened. Yeah, no coups happened in Leo's time. So damn sure. That's a, that's eleven, right? Image of facious. Image of I think somebody quite thin-faced, general curly hair thing. 
Jamie, just going to stop you there now. Yeah. The days of busts are definitely, definitely gone now. No more busts. Oh, no. We, we definitely are relying on dodgy coins or mosaics from oh, now on. We, okay. We might even get some cloth later on in the series, but not for now. So uh, don't, don't go for too much detail. You've got someone staring sideways, looking sad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. This is the front of the coin. Ugh. That's highly stylized, isn't it? Yeah, it's again facing forward with the large hat. And the banana. And a banana. Out of his ear. Is that a banana coming out of his ear? It's obviously a banana coming out of his ear. Yeah. Okay, banana coming no out neck. of his ear. No neck. Again, no neck. Disembodied head, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, who had that before? Did Leo have that? Must Probably. Have one in the family. Um, <laughs> Necklace gene. Yeah. So it's fairly generic, so I think, as we've done recently, yeah. we need to decide by using the reverse side of the coin. No, that's yeah. We've got something new. An angel with a massive cross. Yeah. It's a an angel with, like, quite scary-looking wings, actually. They're quite pointy. Mm. And uh, a huge cross and a weird snake arm. Oh, yeah, I was just thinking that. It looks weird. And yeah. It's like they're holding their dress up a little bit. And he seems to be wearing a helmet. I, weird face. It looks like a fish. It does look like a fish. <gasps> fish people. Flying fish people. We've moved on from the ant people. <laughs> We've got fish people. Uh, I think that is meant to be uh, Zeno. Uh, but, really? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> no, this has got a neck. It's not Zeno. Uh, as per usual, I don't actually do any research on the coins whatsoever. I think it's more fun <laughs> to speculate. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, mm. I mean, the the front that's generic facing forward. We've seen that lots before. I'm not impressed. The back is this better or worse than ant person standing on a skull? It's different. It's I wouldn't different. say it's I wouldn't say it's necessarily better, but I like the wings. That, I, I like the wings. Striking. I like the detail in his his toga. Yeah, actually, yes. That's I'm quite impressive. That's lasted so long. Yeah, considering the d- detail on the hands. It's quite. It's quite a deep impression on the coin, though. Mm. That might be why. Well, there's a staff behind him. I wonder what that means. A star. Yeah. Maybe that's the star to Jerusalem. But why is it behind him? He's facing away. Because he's holding the cross. He's looking at the cross, maybe. It's a big cross. That's maybe as tall it's a, as him. Maybe it's a bug. could be a beetle or something. Maybe. Maybe the person making a coin slipped. <laughs> Just a big chip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's not amazing. No, uh, it's not great. Four. You're going to go for four. I'm going to go for four. That's a one for Imagofacius. Don't we divide by four? Which would make two. That's a two for Imagofacius. <laughs> Temple completed. How long's he last? Oh, I feel guilty now. You just saw it, didn't you? I didn't intentionally see it. It just it was super big and in the right place. But I'll take a guess, though, just in case. Can't have... 16 years, 11 months. No, 17 years and two months. Oh, so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> October 474 to September 491. We're nearly in the year 500, Jamie. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't it amazing after spending so long... Never ended. In the the fall of the West, that we have just in two yeah. emperors just jumped 40-odd years. Yeah, not, felt, or not quite 40, but yeah. still, it's nearly 40 years. I mean, it felt, for that 400s, felt like, like 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I know. A long time. <laughs> a century, God. Yeah. So, gives him a total score of 28.13. Yeah. It's not brilliant. No. It's because he just didn't really have much in the crazy he was too sensible yeah he scored fairly well in the others but not Mm. brilliantly and uh there was just no crazy there which is a shame i feel he deserves better than that yeah i know what you mean well what did leo get again it's uh 
Leo got a grand total of 30.13. Oh, he's exactly two off. Okay, maybe that's about right. Not quite as good as Leo. That's perhaps how I'd sum him up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. That's what's etched onto his tombstone. Yes. That's what they were chiselling in as he was screaming for help. (laughs) (laughs) And right at the end, got really offended. I know what you're chiselling. Okay, well, one more question, though. Do they have a certain So not quite as good as Leo, but Leo mm. got it. Does he deserve it? I'm not feeling it. I think he's got my respect as yeah. an emperor, but I'm not feeling it, I'll be honest. I think if we gave it to him, we'd just be giving it to him willy-nilly, which is a great phrase. It's a good phrase. I think I completely agree with that. Okay. He didn't do anything spectacular. He, it was impressive he kept it together as long as he did, but... Mm. There's nothing great. No. Plus, if he'd taken back Constantinople by force rather than just being let in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would have been impressive. And but... went on a few crazy killing sprees. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. It's been a long time since we've had an utterly insane emperor. He has my respect, though. Yeah, I, he has my respect. But he, he, I mean, he, Instead of maybe getting to the lines, he might get, maybe he's got a job feeding them or something. Yeah. He has to throw the next emperor into there. Maybe he can just uh, be, like, Leo's trainer or something. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, well, well done, Zeno, for, for not being awful, but sorry. Didn't cut the mustard. Certainly did not. No. So that's this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can download us on Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher, and we've also got a Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter if you fancy it. And that's about it. Yes. I think that's worth saying. Well... Don't forget, if you've not already, go and check out our American Presidents podcast. How damn! Because we have done the first episode of George Washington, the second one will be next week. So find out more about his president, well, how he became president, I'm guessing. Yes, exactly. Um, And ranking the hell out of them. Yes, the presidents, there's a lot of information on them, so we are splitting presidents into two episodes apiece. Maybe we won't do that for all of them. We just don't know. Yeah, we'll find we'll out. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Also, check out our whiskey podcast, which is up and running Wait. again. Yes. Just bear in mind that... The more we drink, the worse it gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last one was 32 minutes recording time, I think. The actual podcast was just over 10 minutes. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go and check that out. <laughs> Um, yes, and if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would be absolutely amazing. If you're an iPhone owner, it's really simple. Just go into the uh, go into the iPod app and scroll down, and there's a place for you to leave a review. You don't even need to write anything. Just swipe five stars. It will be very, very handy. So it gets us more, more people will see it, won't they? Yeah, iTunes will actually start promoting us as a podcast Ooh. if we are popular enough. But we nice. need to break into it. We're, we're not there yet. No. No. Yeah. One day, though. One day. One day. Okay, so that's it for this week. All that needs to be said is... I swear the West was there last time I looked. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Farmer, Farmer Smith, is it? Smithy Anus, right here. Yes, so um, I, I, I have your, your complaint here. What, what does seem to be the problem? Didn't you see it on the way in? For the record, sir. 
Oh, well, I've got a farm, right? Growing lots of crops, keeping lots of cows and pigeons. And I got these men coming to my land, standing on my pillars. Sorry? These people coming to my land, these Smithites, where they're called, standing on my pillars, just standing there. Not even using them properly. Sorry, they're, they're just standing on your pillars. They climb right up my pillar and stand on them. And then what do they do? Nothing, they just stand there. And you get all these other idiots coming in to my land, stamping on my vegetables. One guy stood on my plums. Oh yes, I see. Well, do, do you want to show me? Come on, let's see what this is all about. Right, come right here. See this field here? It was clear. This was all fields a week ago. Oh, I see. It's, it's like the Acropolis out here. Don't I bloody know it? Hang on, hang on. You, you there! You! What, what is it you're doing here? Oh, we won't talk to you, lad. No? No? Do, do they not talk back? No, they don't talk back unless you go there on a ladder. And you got a problem. And you pay. And you give them some bread. Oh, now I can see why this would be a problem. Get off my land, you git! My tomatoes can't grow because you're hiding all your blocking all the bloody sun! And come, come around the back of my house. Come with me. Well, okay, okay. What, what we got here? Look, this is a cheaper area. They can't afford their pillars. So they, what they do, they, they, look at that one over there. He's on top of a ladder. That's impressive balancing skills. Yeah, I mean, it's quite impressive. But look at this guy. He's not, he's, not, he's, in, he's standing in a bucket. Get out of my bucket. I need that for mucking out the chickens. I want to know what you're going to do about it. Uh, well, uh, the, the thing is, they're not actually doing anything illegal. They're on my land! But can you not see a, a bright side? A, a positive thing? They're blocking out the sun. There's no bright side for my prunes. No, nothing nothing good about them being here at all. They're, these are holy men. Surely you should be able to get something of these these wise, wise men. You could learn from them. Well, I guess there's one benefit from them being here. Yes? Well, they're up there all the time. They're fertilizing my land. Great. So let's jump into Zeno's life. Born as Tarasiscadissa rosenbladdites. Tarasiscadissa rosenbladdites. This was about twenty years before the birth of before the birth of Tarasiscadissa rosenbladdites. Tarasiscadissa rosenbladdites. You impressed that week, haven't you? Anyway, when Tarasiscadissa rosenbladdites was in his early twenties. No, this is not Taras. This is not Tarasis. This is not Tarasiscadissa bladadite. This is not Tara. This is not Tarasiscadissa rosenbladadites. This is Z General Zeno, a different person. Tarasiscadissa rosenbladadites. No. The rumor. The rumor that General. The rumor that General. Bleh, ah, the rumor that General. You put so much effort into reading that one word. <laughs> <laughs> The rumour that General Zeno was actually Taras... was actually Tarasiscadissa Rosenbladdite... was actually Taras... <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it until he changes his name. <laughs> this is the plan. <laughs> all of that. They, I'm not surprised. Right, they probably were all that. They're walking around like pigeons. <laughs> Do pigeons think they're all that? Breasts out. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, they stick their chest out, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where the phrase pigeon chested come from. It doesn't actually, it's the opposite. Okay. <laughs> cut, cut this. What am I talking about? No. God almighty. It's going on at the end. Uh.